This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. Hog industry integration fails to prevent a repeat 1998. When I started farming in the early 1970s, we owned our hogs and our hog operation paid the bills and sourced our equity. I bought and paid for a Model 1066 IHC tractor with a profit from just 400 head of fat hogs. I wondered then why we were not raising thousands of them. This was the time when the industry was moving indoors with farrowing stalls and slatted finishing barns. We farrowed sows either in A-frames or bedded pens like the foodie producers do today. Most of our hogs were bought as feeder pigs. Our hogs were finished in traditional sheds partially outside with straw bedding and pens cleaned with a skid steer loader. We built one slatted finishing barn and that is where our focus on hog production shifted fully to cattle. We never made the transition to confinement production. We never wanted to be that obligated to facility mortgages. Ironically, many hog producers fared better during the Ag Depression of the 1980s than grain farmers did up until 1998 when the market collapsed under them. One of the reasons that we exited the hog industry was because the playing field became skewed with tightened margins requiring scale of production beyond our means and packers owning hogs which we felt we could not compete with. Many went from owning hogs to feeding them for others, which did not appeal to us either. Contract production also proliferated, which was yet another tilt unbalancing the board. I was glad to be a spectator to the debacle of 1998, which in my opinion validated everything that had gone wrong with the hog industry restructuring. Packers control kill capacity and they limited access to shackle space, beneath the number needed to accommodate the hogs being produced in late 1998. The result was that they were selling pork that valued hogs near $40 a hundred, while buying the hogs as cheap as $8 a hundred in December 1998. The result was windfall profits for pork packers and a $2.6 billion loss for hog producers. It was the catalyst for purging thousands of independent producers from the industry. Frankly, that was not a bad thing for many. I know formerly broke hog producers in 1998 who are multi-millionaires today because they were not getting paid for their management skills as hog producers and found much improved financial opportunity elsewhere. Essentially, poor packers broke the independent hog producers and then assimilated them as employees or contract producers into a redesigned, restructured industry. Many seemed to accept the demotion just fine. I was not directly injured, but it took me a while to accept. It is what it is. As corn and soybean producers, we still need a thriving hog industry, whatever the structure, as a market for our grain. Once the hog industry integrated, where now over 60% of the hogs are owned by pork packers, I surmise that was enough clout to balance hog numbers with pork demand. In general, there is logic to that, but as we are seeing, it is not foolproof. A number of things have caused the recent imbalance between supply and demand that the integrated industry has had difficulty correcting. The industry had come to rely on constantly growing pork exports, with China as the driving customer. The recovery from African swine fever in China has led to an oversupply of domestically produced pork there, curtailing our exports. They are trying to deal with a domestic glut of pork by Beijing buying pork for the reserve. That doesn't help our exports in the long run, it just sustains their oversupply. The Communist Party is giving Chinese consumers cheap pork. 
Our export demand is flattened along with an almost inexplicable flattening of U.S. domestic demand. Pork is competitively priced to other meat proteins, but the market has shown marked inelasticity to what is burdensome supply. While there has been some action toward reducing farrowing intentions, the fantastic productivity growth of the industry has been astounding as they produce more pigs with fewer sows. The industry could constantly reduce sow numbers and pig production would be sustained by improving productivity alone. Prop 12 soon to be implemented also adds uncertainty and risk to the product market. There is currently a $5 premium for Prop 12 compliant hogs. Corn prices are falling, but soybean prices have been reluctant to weaken, so we have a demand problem and a supply problem. The industry has not bit the bullet, restraining production hard enough to arrest the imbalance. This likely requires a more pronounced producer capitulation that includes participation of integrated producers to correct the losses. Right now, producers are hoping someone else will curtail production so they will not have to. In 1998, the losses kept on until the liquidation became forced. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information and marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.